Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. I have a question for you, my listener. What's a non-viable fetus in today's world? Our guest today is going to unwrap her experiences in the 70s, and we'll bring you up to date to the here and now of abortion. So welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm your host, Jill Taylor, and we're so glad to have Charlotte Mitchell with us today. Thank you, Jill. It's good to be here. Charlotte, describe for me your family growing up. What was that like? Were your parents loving? Did you have siblings? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I was adopted. My parents adopted me three days after I was born from actually the neighbor girl. So I had a very good upbringing. I went to good schools. My mother did not pay a lot of attention to me, but my father did. He was just wonderful, and I miss him so. Other than that, it was good. I had one brother who was also adopted, but he was seven years younger than me. We just all grew up together, and and it was an average family, but they, you know, there was a lot of partying going on, and this was back in the 60s. I was going to ask you if they had a deep faith. Well, no, not real deep. They went to church on Sundays, but that was about it. My mother stayed home a lot and cooked, so it was never anything talked about faith at home. How did you get involved in a sexual relationship? Take me to that point of your life. Or if you want to tell me a little bit more about your childhood before we go there, I'd love to hear it. Well, the only thing I would say is that I went to Catholic school for 12 years, and I just met a boy at one of the boys' Catholic schools at a dance, and we just dated. And I remember my mother at the time told me not to date him, but you know how you are, and when you're young, you're a little rebellious. <laughs> my mother died in December of 70, and uh, my dad, he kind of was just out every night. So I had free reign to do whatever I wanted to and ended up going to a concert and then coming home and doing things I shouldn't have when I was, I was 18 at the time. I just graduated from high school. Who did you confide in at that point? The only one I confided in was a friend of mine and then her mother, who went to the same church that we did. Back then, you know, they talked about having abortions like it was nothing. My girlfriend and I went to Planned Parenthood over on the other side of town. There wasn't anything close to us. They told me that uh, it wasn't a baby yet and that they would take care of everything for me for $175. And that included an airline trip to New York, a stay at a hotel up there, and bus fare to take me to the abortion clinic, which was an old house, a very old home. I want to interrupt here for a minute. I want our listener to understand the difference between the 70s and now. I just want to read some information, uh, the basic framework modified in Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992. That state to state, as many counties have no abortion providers, that now Planned Parenthood versus Casey held that a law cannot place legal restrictions imposing an undue burden for the purpose or effect of placing a substantial obstacle in the path of a woman seeking an abortion of a non-viable fetus. So a non-viable fetus would mean born 
so early that it couldn't thrive. And we've come a long way, haven't we, Charlotte, yes, we in have. terms of how we can care for infants that are preborn, maybe in their fourth, fifth, sixth month of being carried. So how far along were you? I was eight weeks. Okay. Eight weeks. And when we, I should start back, when we arrived at the airport, we had to go to a table that was set up for just people that came from out of town to have abortions. And they would direct us to our cab, and the cab would automatically take us to our hotel. And we were given a, a ticket for our bus fare. And I, I'll never forget, I've tried to look up the hotel, but I believe it's gone now, but it was at, uh, on Lexington and 75th. And I'll never forget it, never in, in my life. My girlfriend went with me. It was a horrible situation. So you were doubting at the time whether you should do this or not, or you yeah. just felt I, like I, there was no other choice? I felt that there was no choice because I didn't want to hurt my father. I knew that he had tried to raise me as a good girl, and I felt like I would just devastate him. So I decided to go ahead and do this. I told him I was going away for a weekend to stay at my girlfriend's. And boy, did I go away for a weekend. Tell our listener about the moment that you actually were in New York. Was someone able to go with you? You said you had a friend. Was this someone you knew? Yes, it was. And she went with me and she stayed out in the waiting room while I went into the operating room. And she was there for me. Tell me about that abortion. Well, you know, it was very strange because there were so many girls there. So many. And it was in an old rickety house. We had to walk upstairs. It was all dark. It seemed like dark paint and dark wood. And they took me into the operating room. And there was nothing discussed between me and the doctor or anyone there. It was just like I was herded in after the next one. And I, I laid on the table. And I heard the machine turn on. And I got scared. And I thought, I don't think I want to do this. And so I, I was there. And it's like a vacuum cleaner, to be honest with you, is what it feels like inside of you. Just pulling the insides out is what they did. And I said, stop, stop. I said, I, 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 I don't think I want to do this. I sat up, actually, and he shoved me back down and said, it's too late. And so I was just crying, and I turned my head to the side, and I saw a huge blob go through this clear plastic tube, and I knew right then and there it was the baby. That's when I knew I, excuse me, I had done something very wrong, very wrong. So then they took me out of there and told me to lay down for 15 minutes and gave me a cookie and some orange juice and sent me on my way. And um, we didn't have any bus fare back to anywhere, so we just had to find our way back to the airport. Oh, my goodness. So they're taking care of you right up until they've aborted the child, and then you're on your own. Wow. I'm trying to get our listener to picture this, that right now we see commonly abortion clinics across the nation, although they're shutting down. They're, they're not as available as they have been in the past, but to think of someone being talked into or, or even being told it's available— to get on a plane and fly to New York or California, I think they were doing it in both directions, and be taken to someplace that's foreign to you and 
gone through that without any real care or love or nurturing. I just wish that that never happened to you, Charlotte. Thank you. When I look back on it, it was a business and nothing but a business. Uh-huh. Absolutely. A very lucrative business. Very lucrative. And the fellow that I got pregnant with, he paid the money and it was all over with. And here I was supposed to be a free and happy girl, but I never was until I met the Lord. And after that, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. Well, we're going to hear more about that. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with Charlotte Mitchell, our guest, and Jill Taylor here at Choose Life Radio. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So meet up with us today at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. We're now intimately connected to Charlotte Mitchell, who's sharing her story of abortion in the 70s. If you're just now joining us, would you please just check out our website, chooseliferadio.com, for the whole interview with Charlotte, as well as the interviews we have in our podcast sections, again, at chooseliferadio.com. Charlotte, I'm so grateful for your story and the absolute thin veneer of where it is still in your mind and in your heart. And I know that there's a listener who is absolutely identifying with you, that what happened then should have made it all go away, and yet it's painful, and it's there, and yet God forgives us. And I want you to talk about your acceptance of the Lord, and, and, and also, how did this impact the young man who was involved in the pregnancy? Well, I had married when I was 21, and the marriage didn't last. It lasted seven years, but I did have a wonderful, wonderful son out of the marriage who um, I had custody of because his father did not see him much after that. And then I was offered a blind date by a friend of mine, and I turned her down twice. And then on the third time, I said, okay, I'll go out with this fella. His name was Terry, and I, I married him three months later. He was a Christian man, and I had thought about going back to church, but I knew the church wouldn't accept me because I was divorced. So I, um, I listened to him and about his Christianity, and I thought, oh boy. And then one evening, we were watching a pastor on TV. I never thought I would be watching a pastor on TV with a date. <laughs> and, um, you know, I accepted the Lord that night, and I felt, I felt Jesus take the burden off of my shoulders that I had been carrying around, feeling punished for, feeling guilty for, feeling so ashamed for. 
and it was lifted right off my shoulders, and I was just like a new person. And it's because Jesus meets us where we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up first. If anybody out there can identify with me, don't let that hinder you from seeking God's forgiveness through salvation with Jesus, because He will take care of you because He loves you. He loves you so. And all these years, I'll never forget the abortion I went through, but I know that Jesus loves me, He's forgiven me, and I do know I'll see my baby someday. I will see Him. I have a instinct as a mother that it is a him and i will see him in heaven because that's where he went after all this happened and you were heading home on the plane was it the same deal on a plane that they had provided going back it was a it was a commercial flight there were women and some of the young girls and quite a few businessmen wow quite a few businessmen so were there tears? Was there anguish? What was going on in that plane? There was no feeling. As far as I go, there was no feeling. I, I, I just was numb. I just thought, what have I done in my life? This is so horrible. And I just wanted to forget it all, go to college, as I planned in September, because I, I had the abortion in July of 71. And uh, things didn't really go back to normal ever. I had quite a few medical issues from the ordeal after I went to college. It uh, was just something I tried to put in the back of my mind. Charlotte, do you feel like God abandoned you, or did you feel like he would not love you anymore? Did you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I thought I was a castaway, just somebody who has committed the ultimate sin. Where would I go when I died? I think this is why I am so determined that we talk with Christians, people who believe that God wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to know that sins are paid for because Christ was on the cross. And I think whoever might be with us today hearing your story needs to hear that part as well, that when we accept Christ and even if we make this decision in a pinch, in a difficult time, if we make that mistake of abortion, then we still have the blood of Christ to claim and say, I'm, I did wrong. I've sinned against you, Lord. I love you. And I thank you for covering my horrible sins. Yes, we lock that guilt inside of us, and we keep it all to ourselves. But all we have to do is ask for forgiveness from the Lord, and He will take that guilt away and give you peace in your life. He's done it for me, and I know He can do it for others. Now, I want to take a personal statement here, because I want to be sure we don't push that message out that it's okay for you to do something knowing that God doesn't want you to do it, but to purposely move forward saying, I'm going to be forgiven on the other side. I'm not quite sure how God's going to handle that, but I don't think that's right. I no, don't absolutely think, not. I think we have to absolutely kneel before him and say, I did something, I'm so sorry, whether it's stealing something from someone or preaching hate against someone that's a neighbor or something like an abortion, it really isn't something we say, I'm going to go ahead and do it because God will cover it. Now, maybe God will cover it, 
but how we live our lives out as a Christian is also a display to other believers. And I think that's so cool about this interview, Charlotte. You've got people who know you who need to hear what God did for you. The fact that you say that, I went to a church and I felt such a need to give my testimony, and there were about 400 people. And afterwards, the pastor, I don't know why he got it wrong, but he said, well, why don't we have the women come up here and comfort Charlotte? But instead, when they walked up, they whispered, and some of them whispered in my ear, I had one too. Thank you so much. And I thought, no, they're not here to comfort me. I'm here to comfort them through my testimony, as embarrassing as it is to tell a bunch of church people. It was wonderful. And I was so glad to do it. I wish I could have done it more. That's why I'm here, I guess. Yeah. God is using your story for you to touch those women's lives, just like today. As our listener is with us, perhaps feeling that joy of knowing that God loves that person. I wanted to know more about your ability to speak with women, because you're mentioning that you actually spoke in front of a crowd. What was that like? I was a little bit nervous, but after I got up there, it all came out. It just, it was like divine intervention. My testimony came out, and I had no qualms about it. And I've looked for the opportunity, as I've said, to do it again, and I did a few times after. I've never worked in a facility, though, such as Choose Life or anything like that, but any opportunity I have, I would talk to somebody. So, Charlotte, how did you feel after the abortion? Well, one of the ways that was very strange that I felt was that whenever I'm, I went out on a date, which is ridiculous, when I was away at college, after I met the fella or whatever, I would always have to tell him about what I did. I had such a guilt, and I was afraid that no one would want me, that I was just no good. And they would just drop me like a hot potato. And it was just a very scary time in my life, too. It was sort of a rejection that I made for myself, that I am not good enough for anybody anymore. But then I realized, after I, I did get saved, that Jesus has healed me of this feeling. So it was really a blessing that it happened to me that evening. What was the response of the people that you were dating? Did they understand? Some of them understood, and some of them just went, uh, no you know, deal. like they didn't care. Mm -hmm. It was just something that was becoming so popular back then in the 70s. Nobody seemed to have any conscience about it except me. Well, I think God was pursuing you all along. I do believe he that's was. that's why it was on your mind and in your heart. I think that often, Jill. Yeah. I do. Let's end on a really good note here. I want to hear all about your husband who has, is walking by you during all of this. He's with you. Yes, we've been married. It'll be 36 years this coming October. I couldn't describe him. He's just wonderful to me. He has overlooked my faults, everything, and he just loves me for who I am. And what more could you ask for? He's a very good man, very good Christian man. Well, I would say... You've described my husband exactly, <laughs> so I'm sure there are other women who are saying that as well. Sure. But when we're active and we're out there and we're doing things, it's really nice to have a husband who's supportive and, and being there with you. He's very supportive. He was glad I was coming today and to tell this so other people could be healed somehow, and I hope someone has listened to me. I thank you, sweet listener, for walking with us through this 
very intimate story. There's a, a lot of Charlotte Mitchells thinking they could never release their secret. But the truth is, God already knows it. And he's right there with you with arms wide open. And I encourage you, listener, to share your story with someone you trust, your spouse, your doctor, your pastor, your son, your daughter, and most of all, share it with the Father who created you and loves you deeply. Charlotte, can you attest to the gift of taking your experiences and your pain and your feelings of fear and disappointment to your Heavenly Father? Yes, I can. And He has forgiven me. And it is the best blessing I could ever get. I want to thank Charlotte for sharing her story with us today. It wasn't easy to experience that the first time, and I am confident that it's difficult to share now today. I also know that there are many of you listening today who also have a story that is painful to go back to. I want you to know that the Planned Parenthood that Charlotte experienced in the 70s is the same Planned Parenthood that operates today. It's the number one abortion provider in the country, and it provides abortions in many other countries. It parades itself as an organization that's concerned with women's health, (laughs) but it's far more concerned with the taking of innocent lives. It's a money deal. It's what can we make on abortions. It talks about reproduction health and the value of women while demeaning both. They don't value women who choose life. As a matter of fact, from their beginning, they dealt with the thought that there are certain people that aren't worthy at all, and we'd like to get rid of them. Margaret Sanger, there's someone they're trying to get rid of themselves because it's such a blatant opportunity for people to look at who they were and who they are today. Most of its income, folks, comes from abortion. And it's flush with cash. Don't ever feel sorry for them. Don't ever feel like, oh, they're running a campaign because they're short of money. They are not. They are flush with money. And yet they continue to perform abortions and abortions and abortions. And they claim that they're doing all sorts of other health issues, but they perform very few actual health care services. If a woman comes in for an abortion, she might get a blood test. Of course, that makes sense. She might get her temperature taken. Well, there are two services that they just say they offered them. (laughs) The slight glimmer of hope that we can see is that Planned Parenthood provided fewer abortions this past year than the year before, although the number is still a staggering 322,000 babies lost in America. And we ask that you understand again when you listen to Charlotte's story that what they did in 1970, 50 years ago, was cover the cost of a woman to fly to New York or to fly to California for an abortion and then get their own way home. That's how much they cared about that woman. So many women sat on a plane with other women who had just experienced the same thing. Can you imagine being on that plane? Can you imagine the feeling of looking around and knowing how hurt you are, how painful this is, 
and how deceiving it is. You're going back to tell your family nothing, if at all possible. That was Charlotte's story. I want you to understand, if we don't speak up, if we don't tell the truth, if we don't talk about abortion in our churches, in our schools, wherever we can get the word out, we will be complicit because we're not telling the whole story. And the whole story, Planned Parenthood, is that you take lives of people and you kill them, and you kill them by tearing them apart. And I'm really sorry to have to say that, but it is the truth. Thank you for listening to me and for understanding my passion. I want you to understand that pregnancy centers are targets for Planned Parenthood. They don't want them existing. They don't want someone helping you have a healthy baby. And so we pray for our pregnancy centers to thrive. And we pray for a nation that stands firm for life from conception to the very precious end of the lives we are given by God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Will you stand with us in this fight for life? It's not easy. We have to be vocal. If you want to join us, if you want to be a part of this movement, I'd like you to join me. I would be so grateful. You can reach me at my website, chooseliferadio.com, and you can leave me a message. I read them faithfully, and some of them are now my best friends. I'm looking forward to getting to know you personally on this topic, how you can help us, how you can help other women choose life when they think they only have one choice. Thank you for joining us today on Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and I'll see you back next week. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.